Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Jesus here we have God becomes a man Emmanuel God with us that he comes out of the womb already potty trained goo goo gaga thus saith the Lord not realizing that as fully God and fully man he was God who put on humanity he had to learn all of the things that we had to learn and he did it all perfectly without sin and so Mary and Joseph would have been the people who read the little Bible stories to Jesus at night said his prayers with him, tucked him in until he became the great teacher of God's word himself. We here at Changed by Love would love to take the opportunity to wish you a Merry Christmas and we pray the true joy of the season for you. We all know it's very easy to get drawn into the busyness of the season, but our hope and prayer is that you would take time to see the Christmas miracle of God become a man in a new, fresh, and exciting way. That's what happened to Mary when the angel told her she would be the mother of the Savior. She took time to sit at the Lord's feet and magnify Him in her heart. Let's join Pastor Jim in Luke chapter 1 in part 1 of a message entitled, A Magnified Christmas. Well, once again, Merry Christmas to everyone. I want to start with an easy question, very easy question. How many of you own a pair of these? How many of you own a pair of these? If you can't see what I'm holding up, you need a visit to the eye doctor. (laughs) Or perhaps you should just look on your nose as I am holding up a pair of glasses. I just, I don't want to brag, but I will. Um, Just so you know, these are designer glasses. Very, very expensive designer glasses. Amazon.com, $2.50 for this pair. (laughs) Now, you say, that doesn't sound very designer. That is an upgrade from the $1.50 Walmart pair that I used to have. (laughs) That is right here. But not only did I upgrade on style and price, uh, I also had to upgrade on power. You see, I used to use the 1.25 magnifications, but now I have to use the Uh, 1.75 magnification. Now, that's probably not a big deal to most of you who wear glasses, but it's actually quite a blow to my pride. And you say, well, how is that so, Pastor Jim? For most of my life, I had really great, and some would say exceptional, eyesight. Uh, When I was a kid, I can remember being as little as eight years old. I would go to the doctor. You know how they go to the doctor? They say, look at the chart and pick the least, the bottom line that you can read from. And, and read it off to me, and I would smirk, look at the doctor and say, bottom line, backwards. And the doctors would say, wow, you have incredible vision. Some of my friends, even when I was younger, used to call me eagle eye because I had the ability to see things from a very far distance and be able to actually tell you what it was or who it was that was coming at us. The problem is, is that over time, through life, through growing older, old eagle eye now needs 1.75 to read virtually anything that comes in the mail or somebody hands him or just if he wants to uh, even figure out what channel he's putting on the television. 
Now, some of you are saying, Pastor Jim, that's a, a nice little story, but what does that have to do with Christmas? Some of you are skeptical. You're thinking, ah, oh, he needs one point, more 1.75s, and he's hoping we're all going to give them to him. We're not going to do that. We'll have the ushers come forward for a glasses collection at this moment because I need more. No, I really don't. Well, because of the Christmas show and the Christmas season, a lot of people traveling were on a break from the Gospel of Matthew. And today, uh, we want to talk about more of a devotional type teaching than we normally do here. And so the title of our message is A Magnified Christmas. A Magnified Christmas. How many of you would agree with me that our world is pretty messed up right now? that things are just kind of all over the place. I don't know if it's worse than it ever was before. I don't know if it's worse than it was in previous generations. Or the fact that all we have to do is look on the television, our computer, or our telephone, and we can see how bad everything seems to be going. And I don't know if this is your experience or not, but my experience right now is most people that I know, this is the word I would use for a lot of people, they are unsettled. They just don't know what's going on. They just don't know what is next. They don't know what to expect. And so for a lot of people, it's producing a tremendous amount of anxiety in them as to what is going to happen next in the world. Even for many followers of Jesus, they would say that they are unsettled. By the way, if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, we want to welcome you here. You are extremely welcome here amongst us today. I hope you'll say hello uh, on the way out today and a special Merry Christmas to you. You see, Christian people are not so different than other people. We're, we always say that we're forgiven people, but other than that, we're you know, human like the rest of the world. And many people these days wonder why they aren't happy. It's a big thing. I just want to be happy. And a lot of people are saying that they're miserable, they're not happy. Certainly difficult to be happy when you're unsettled and anxious. A lot of people, Christian people especially, would say, you know, I don't know why I keep sinning, although when you talk with people who are not Christians, if you really get to know them a little bit, they'll tell you they're uncomfortable with a lot of things that they're doing because they have the God-given conscience that God has given to all of us. And for a lot of people, Christian people in particular, they will often say when they're in this unsettled season of life that God seems, well, to be honest, far away. But if you press people, now I know most of you are nice people, you're not obnoxious like me and you don't press people, but I just press people under the guise of being a pastor, right? But I press people and try to really figure out what's going on with them, if perhaps maybe you can speak with them or give them something that, that might cause them to be less unsettled or less anguished. You find out with a lot of people that a lot of times the problem comes, on, comes down to this. They are obsessed with themselves. They are so obsessed with themselves that their world puts them in the center and, you know, the north, south, east, and west, the entire world revolves around them. And when things are unsettled, it becomes an overwhelming thing to them. Here in the Gospel of Luke, we have an interesting account of Mary, the earthly mother, or Mary, the mother of Jesus. Interesting, she's a young girl. Most Bible scholars and most historians would tell you that she was probably a teenager. Not just a teenager, but probably in her young teens. 
Back then, marrying age was 13, 14, 15 for a lot of people. That's when, how old the woman would be, the young girl would be, the husband would be you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, already into his career, into his vocation. Life expectancy, not as, as long, family a system, very, very different than it, is, than it is right now. And so here we have this young teenage girl, and she has been told already by an angel that she is going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Now, I've had a lot of experiences in life, but let me tell you one I've never had. I've never experienced what it's like to be a middle school girl. That's one that has eluded me. I don't know what it's like to be a teenage girl. I know it can be an emotional time, so I hear, in a a young girl's life. And I've been involved with youth people for over 20 years, probably close to 25 years. I've never had a girl in the youth group come up and say, I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. That's never happened. So let's just agree, this is an unusual event uh, that, that is happening. So it's a difficult time uh, in some ways for her to understand what's going on. She's been made aware by the angel that she has been chosen, again, to be the earthly mother of God's son. We know him as Jesus Christ. They knew him as Jesus of Nazareth or the carpenter's son or Jesus the carpenter. Now, we hear about this story, we sing about this story, and we think, wow, what an incredible honor that would be for this seemingly ordinary, poor, we know that they came from a poor area, poor country girl, and it is an honor. But, you know, a lot of times you're honored with things, but it's not quite as simple as you think. There's always stuff attached. And so there's a lot of things that are attached to this that if we try to put ourselves in her position, that maybe is is not so easy. Well, let's think about a couple. She lived in a small town, and she lived in a very religious country, Israel. And although Jesus goes out and he contests a lot of the religiosity, which he says is completely fake and hypocritical and stuff like that, but basically they were religious, and they were occupied by a pagan nation. They were part of the Roman Empire. So they wanted to be religious, but they were surrounded by these pagan soldiers, And so things were not going well for their country. Let's just say this. You could probably cut the tension with a knife. Helplessness was probably in the air. Anxiety was in the air. Unsettledness was in the air. Now, yes, she was honored, but she was also at that time, she was uh, betrothed. You say, what does that mean, betrothed? It's something that's sort of in between uh, our engagement and our marriage. Basically, you are married, except you and your wife are not intimate. So you, get your, you have to do everything you have to do. You go get the house ready, and you get everything ready. You kind of get things settled in, make sure you have a job, make sure you can support your family, and then there's a big celebration, and you and your wife are intimate. Now, here's this woman before the intimacy time, and she lives in a small town, small towns known for gossip, and she's pregnant. Some things you just can't hide, right? She's pregnant. And, and people say, well, Mary, like, what's going on? And she says, well, I'm pregnant. It was the Holy Spirit. Sure. <laughs> well, of course, everybody would go to who? They'd go to Joseph and say, what are you doing? And he'd say, I did nothing. She cheated on me. That would be what you would think, right? We know the angel's going to appear to him. We don't know at point, what, what point in time the whole thing went down, but of course, you know, he would be, he would be heartbroken in such, a, in such a time. In that culture also, there would be great shame associated with this. 
This, not only would this couple have great shame for having this baby out of wedlock, but also there would be great shame for Jesus his entire life. At one point in time, he's debating with the religious leaders and they get all snarky and get in his face and they say, were we born of fornication? They knew the story. They knew the story that came from that little town where they grew up and, and they knew that Mary claimed to be of the Holy Spirit. And we know that Joseph was, really wasn't the father. They weren't there, but they knew what all of the neighbors and all of the people thought. Luke then goes on to tell us in, in earlier in this chapter that Mary went to go visit her cousin, Elizabeth. Elizabeth was much older and she was pregnant with a fellow by the name of John the Baptist. Last week, we joked about the apostles and all of us who grew up who, from European parents who uh, were probably born in the, in the 50s and 60s and 70s. That's all the boys got their names from the list of the apostles. The same thing is true with the women. And her name was Mary, and her cousin's name was Elizabeth. My mother's name is Mary Elizabeth. And that's where they pilfer these names from. And so now we wonder where all, where, where all these different names come from. Now, I love it that there's a whole bigger variety of, of names. So like in my class, there was like four James eight Johns, you know, you know, three Thomases, and so now we have a lot more variety. And we're told that uh, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak to Mary and says to her, listen, uh, what you were told was true. Let me confirm the word of the Lord to you. Mary responds with a hymn of praise in the midst of powerlessness, in the midst of a difficult time in her country, in the midst of all of the other stuff, do you ever have this good stuff going on in your life? You know, you look at, how's your life going? Well, if you look at this, it's really good. But if you look at that, 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 and that, it's not so good. And so she's got a lot of stuff going on, but she uh, sings this hymn of praise in the midst of her difficult and honoring circumstances known as, many of you know it, as the Magnificat. That's a, that's a Latin word. And today we're basically only going to look at the first half of it. Now, there are, in the Magnificat, some people want to dispute the fact, they say, how could a young girl come up with this tremendous theology? Because there's a lot of Bible in her song. She was a Bible reader. Her kids raised, in what we, raised her in what we know as the Old Testament. Particularly here, she's singing very similar to Hannah's song in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and some of the Psalms. And that shows us something else about Mary. One of the reasons God picked her is she was a good mom. She loved the Lord. She loved the Bible. A lot of times we think that, oh, well, Jesus, here we have God becomes a man, Emmanuel, God with us, that he comes out of the womb, already potty trained, <laughs> goo goo gaga, thus saith the Lord, not realizing that as fully God and fully man, he was God who put on humanity. He had to learn all of the things that we had to learn, and he did it all perfectly without sin. And so Mary and Joseph would have been the people who read the little Bible stories to Jesus at night, said his prayers with him, tucked him in until he became the great teacher of God's word himself. Verse 46, Mary says this, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. She's saying, my soul makes larger the Lord. My soul makes great the Lord. Now, in the next verse, we're going to talk, she's going to mention her spirit. For our purposes today, let's just call the soul and the spirit the deep center of human existence. It is essentially who we are. And Mary is essentially saying that with everything I have, with my total self, I am going to make 
the Lord great in my heart. My soul joyfully magnifies the Lord in my heart. She might be saying something like this. You know, there's all kinds of confusion going around. And I realized that I was wearing, where are they? Here they are, the old 1.25s. But I really needed the 1.75s. I really was not seeing as I ought to see. Now she says, I'm going to think and I'm going to see differently. Now, there's something, a very important point that we have to note here, or else we're going to get confused on all of this. Uh, That doesn't mean she's making God bigger than he is. You know, when we look through glasses or we look through a magnifying glass, we don't make the object bigger than it really is. It just appears bigger to us because we are seeing differently. We are seeing clearly. So it means that she is actually seeing clearly what is already there. God is who he is. And I'll drive all the teachers up the wall and say, and he ain't who he ain't. God is who he is. We can never, ever make God bigger. We can never, ever make God greater. And to be honest, without the Bible, we wouldn't have a clue about God because we would just have to deal with all of the things that we think inside our own hearts. But we can magnify him, and that is a word of, it's continuous. We can continually magnify him in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts, and in our affections. Some versions choose to translate this word rejoice, and I really think it's the same thing. Mary's saying that I am continuing to magnify, I am continuing to rejoice, I am continuing to meditate upon the wonder and grandeur of God. Now, this is one of the many reasons why we study the scriptures, because it helps keep our thoughts of God true. Now, before you say, well, duh, Pastor Jim, that's not an easy task in the United States of America because you see people all the time who are on television or on media, on YouTube and stuff like that, giving you all these opinions about Jesus that are contrary to what Jesus himself said about himself and to what his followers said. We live in a country where religion is like an opinion, you know? You can just have whatever opinion you have, and and whatever you think is fine, that's what's fine. But why is truth so important? Well, for a Christian, I would say this. I think a lot of times it's easy, easy for us to commit what I call the sin of smallness. Everything is so overwhelming. Everything is so difficult. Everything is so hard. It doesn't seem like anything is going right in our lives. And what do we do? We make God small in our hearts. He's still the same. He's still the way he is. But we've allowed all of the trials and tribulations of life, we've allowed all of the problems of life make him small with inside of us. And Mary's like, I'm not going to do that. Let them say what they will say. Let them talk behind my back the rest of my life. But I know that God has given me something to do, and I'm going to do it. Now, Mary does not have the sin of smallness. Look at verse 47. She says, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. 
for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Well, what does it mean to be blessed? In the Bible, it really simply means that you are the object of God's special favor, that you are someone who God has smiled upon. Mary continues to rejoice in what we might call unexpected grace. She continues to rejoice in what we might call undeserved favor. But notice what Mary says and what Mary shows us. It's all grounded in the fact that the Christmas child is also, her words, not mine, God, my Savior. She knows that this Christmas child is to be God, her rescuer. And see, what does magnifying the Lord do for her? Magnifying the Lord causes her to see herself in need of a Savior and to see herself as the Lord's maidservant. Mary realizes that she is a servant of the Savior King. Now you say, Pastor Jim, how do you know that the Savior is Jesus? Well, when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant and he really wasn't sure what to do about this, he, and he thought about, he, the Bible tells us he was going to break up with her. We're told this, Matthew 1, 20 through 21. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. You say, okay, Pastor Jim, that's, that's Matthew. That's what he thinks. How do you know that's what Mary was talking about? And how do you know that's what Luke was talking about? Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, the first Christmas, shepherds are out in the field. And it says this, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Now, everybody needs to come back for a second. I know you're thinking Charlie Brown Christmas. That's Lioness's gig. He gave that speech, and, but he was just quoting the Bible. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. The Savior, Christ the Lord. See, it's easy for us to think about Mary in terms of the way a lot of people think of her today that, well, you know, Mary, by being the mother of God, my goodness, imagine the prestige. Mary would say, I knew nothing of that. I knew there was a lot of people that loved my son, but I knew there was a lot of people who hated my son. And 33 years after I birthed him, I had to watch him be killed on a cross. And at the end of the day, you know what he was killed for in her eyes? For being good. For being good. For telling people the truth. The truth that they didn't want to hear. Other people would say that, well, she gets a lot of power by being God's mother. But uh, <laughs> she would say, that's all silliness. I had no power. I was born a poor girl. I died a poor girl. It was always the same for me. No, I think one of the gifts that she got was the gift of service. God called her to do something far beyond what the normal teenage girl of that area would have done at the time. 
God called her to serve as the maidservant of the Lord. That, that's very hard to see when it's all about you. You can only see that when, you're, when your heart is magnifying the Lord. When you magnify the Lord in your heart, you realize there's an important thing that you bless people when you receive something from the Lord and you pass it on to others. And here this young girl knows that she has received tremendous blessing from the Lord, but she will have to share her little boy with the world. It won't be easy, and it will be a painful thing for her to watch. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we're overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is changedbylove, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time.